OTB Rugby. Quinny is going at a million miles an hour. And bearing in mind, I didn't pass the ball that often. He was expecting the pass. He got the pass and scores. And in scoring, dislocates his shoulder. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Gaelic football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Welcome back. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's Kerry Dublin in an All-Ireland football final in two weeks time. Dublin never actually behind against Monaghan, but equally could not shake them off until the closing 10 minutes or so. And then they really did shake them off by seven points. As for Kerry, they were in a lot more trouble against Derry. There is a fair argument, I think, that the better team may have lost at Crow Park yesterday, but class told in the end. And Kerry have David Clifford, which is enough class for any team. So Kerry Dublin, it is on July 30th. Happy to say Darren O'Sullivan is with us. Hello. Hey, Joe. How are things? Very well. Colin Boyle, hello. How's things, Joe? Which of you two wants to apologise to Derry first? <laughs> And let Darren go first. (laughs) I think we gave them the template, Joe, what to do. I think that's they should actually be thanking us. (laughs) That's the way to go. Okay. Well, we'll reach out to Derry and see if they want to thank you. These were uh, two very good games, especially yesterday. I mean, that was proper, Darren. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, I I think Derry's approach took everyone by surprise. Definitely, from where I was watching it, I think it took Kerry by surprise, and it was a, it was a funny one. We kind of said last week that they needed to come with a bit of madness, a bit of maybe wildness running from everywhere, and it, it wasn't that they brought that. The build-up was quite slow, and I think Kerry were so passive, up to sixty yards. All it took was one lane break, and it opened up. Um, probably wasn't as evident on t- on TV either that the wind was quite strong. Uh, some of the scores that Derry kicked were, were brilliant scores, but it, it was as if Kerry weren't expecting them to come at them. Um, and Kerry kind of just kept kept letting them come and letting them come to a certain point. And then it was too late to track the runners. The runners would get a yard on them. They were, they were true. To be fair, a lot of the scores Derry got, they made it look very easy. And um, I just I was a bit surprised by how... I don't know what there wasn't much atmosphere to be fair at the time. The build up, as I said, was quite slow up to about 60 yards from the Kerry's goal. And all of a sudden, Derry were just true and they were kicking great scores. They were defenders were a yard or two off their men all the time. But Derry's movement was brilliant. Um, they were very effective, efficient up front. And I'll be honest, uh, we were getting nervous. I was with Kieran O'Leary and Paula Connor, two former teammates, and uh. We were kind of uh, looking a bit sheepish. I had Mark Lynch behind me and the two Bradleys weren't far away and my predictions weren't looking too good. Um, but it was definitely, I think it was as much as uh, the class of David Clifford, it was the experience, Kerry's experience, I think, showed in the end. And in fairness, um, we talked about the heavy training that we thought they must have been doing throughout the group stages. The training they've done, it, it, it's coming through. They're finishing games strong now. So, um, yeah, definitely lucky to get through through this one. Your uh, reading of the game there is totally in tandem with Jack O'Connor's because he was talking afterwards and he said second half we adjusted and tactically we dropped off their kick out a bit but we formed a better defensive line higher up the pitch. So that tallies with your sense that by the time they were trying to stop Derry it was almost too late in certain instances. 
Yeah, like like you, you you give a fella yard, it's very hard to make that up inside inside the forty five. And with the wind that was there, like Derry have good footballers, they proved that throughout the year. Um, like I said, Kerry did look a yard off, and and I do think Kerry have been leaving teams come at them, and I think that probably comes from the Mayo game where the ball's being kicked out long, Mayo winning it, and Kerry were wide open. I think that I won't say fear. But a bit of worry was there. Um, and like that, they showed a bit of bravery in the second half. They started pushing up. Um, they started being more aggressive. Um, I think that probably came from Stephen O'Brien coming on as well. It was just, uh, they just brought more aggression, more energy. Uh, like I said, a bit more bravery as well to push up on the kickouts. Um, yeah, and didn't, didn't leave Derry build up momentum either. But like I said, that wind was tough. And I think it was only when you see Derry only got four points and obviously one of them was delayed free into the hill in the second half like Kerry kicking 1-8 was good scoring into that obviously look Clifford was to the fore and look I actually don't have the vocabulary to keep talking about him to be honest at this stage I don't have any words from him. he's he's just different class like and we're, we're very lucky to have him because we wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't be in the position we're in now without him No I think without Clifford yesterday Kerry are in big trouble they're in big trouble anyway with him but uh, they're not getting out of jail yesterday without him I hadn't appreciated that about the wind. That explains a lot, I think, because Derry from 25, 30 metres in the first half were sublime and they had one wide in the entire first half. And then the second half, 14 shots and they had three scores. And I, I think as well, the unintentional one, ironically as well, which is their fourth, but just the four scores in the second half. So the wind certainly played a part in that. Colm, it, it, you know, the start was lightning in that, Derry start million miles an hour have the goal chance launch another ball in straight after and then Kerry have a goal chance and then Derry scored the goal the McKinless goal Rogers unmarked runs through shoots McKinless follows up and then 35 seconds later Kerry score a goal and it's Gavin White Ganey and Sean O'Shea involved and so you've had four goal chances with two goals scored in the opening six minutes and at that point I was thinking okay don't Derry now suddenly say everyone calm it down and in fairness to them they didn't that first half Derry's running, the job they did on, on Kerry kickouts at times, and then their shooting, which we've mentioned, one wide in that first half. I mean, they were three points to the good at the break and were every bit deserving of that. They were excellent in that first half. They were absolutely super, Joe. And if you if you go back 12 months ago to their performance in the Ireland semi-final last year against Galway, like how much they evolved in 12 months in, in how they played last Sunday. Like they wouldn't have been able to play... La- like that last year, I don't think, in the semi-final. Like, they scored 1-6 against Galway in the whole game last year. Half-time the last day, they'd won 11 on the yeah. scoreboard. And some of their attack and play, like Darren mentioned it there, the way they broke the line and, and, and attacked it. But I think, crucially, what they did was, like Darren mentioned the attack or the pace they brought into their attack, but they had Tyg Morley occupied. And I think that was the key point. So when the likes of McGinnis broke through, Morley wasn't there to meet him because someone had ran into Morley's space to just say, you come follow me here. I'm going to take you out of this area. And Morley, not being the sweeper, and I'd been there, you know this fella is just, is just coming into your area to, to basically take you out of there, but you end up following him just beca- in case he becomes a threat. And any time Derry came through the middle, there was just looked like there was gaps everywhere. And, and Derry were really, really good in that. And straight away, the intent was there, Joe, from the start. You mentioned it. They had a goal chance after 30 seconds if Nile, if Nile Lachlan holds on to that ball 
And that just shows with the intent and I suppose the difference that Derry were bringing to the, to the game the, uh, yesterday. But I think that's what they needed to do. Like we spoke here last week about if they were just going to play a slow base build up play game, they wouldn't get the scores needed to win this game. But the key thing was, yes, they were starting to take, uh, tax low, but it was the pacing that were they were injecting into that. They weren't doing that much this year. And I think they, feel, they felt like they needed to attack Kerry. They might have saw a weakness there as well. They might have thought, saw, saw this as an area we, as we can really get at Kerry and, and they went after it. And I think, I think they felt like they needed to score goals, Joe. And we said it here last week. I think, you know, we we're saying if they were to win this game, that they needed to score goals. And they created probably three goal chances. Three ma- They score one, three massive goal chances. And the other one that I spoke about with Niall Lachlan, if it goes to hand, realistically for Derry to win that game, they needed at least one more goal, you know, that they didn't get, unfortunately. Yeah. They had serious running power. I mean, Brennan Rogers, uh, McCluskey, you mentioned McKinless as well. Those are hard fellas to stay with at every moment. And then mm. the bravery, like I think it was just before half time where McKay, Chrissy McKay was involved high up in an attack. And you kind of thought, geez, who's marking Clifford if you're up here, you know, but he was getting involved. And there was a point, Darren, watching on the TV, you would have appreciated this more at the stadium. I don't know if you were there, Colin, but Darren, there was a point where Derry were attacking in the second half and the TV commentary suddenly got very animated and they were saying, like, if Derry lose the ball here, we can't emphasise in the entire Derry half right now, Clifford has 20 metres around him. He's completely unmarked. The goalkeeper's not in the goal. He's in the Kerry half and there's one Derry defender maybe 20, 30 metres in front of Clifford. So if, if Derry lose the ball here, there's big trouble. And in fairness, I think they scored in that particular attack. But even that was a signal of intent and, and I guess you would have had a fuller appreciation of that being there. Yeah, and to be honest, it was a kind of flavour of the weekend. Um, bravery by teams actually made for great games. Um, there wasn't there was a moment like that as well in the first half as well. I actually think there was a free out given against Clifford. And uh, Kerry made a turnover. I think he was one on one with Chrissy inside sixty yards. Now I think the first pull was by Chris McCaig and then David got caught and of course I was a bit animated in the crowd. I don't know why would have thought be pulling, but uh, it was brave. And uh, we said that like, there was no point Derry going and trying to contain or frustrate. They had to bring the game to Kerry. And look, to be honest, like you're looking, I was looking at Jason Foley before the game on McGuigan thinking, you know, Jason's in off that form, but he had a lot to do with him in the first half. I think one of the first balls that went in, it was a straight ball, and Jason came out got a hand to it as he so often does but after that McGuigan kept his runs short and sharp and Jason struggled to get close enough to him and like that because the a lot of the Derry's attack even though it got up to 60 yards kind of out of nowhere it was like the attack was it was like playing backs versus forwards at times you know you'd have everybody inside 60 yards one line break and the whole thing opens up but they were brave um, mm. but they didn't Kerry couldn't get the turnovers in the first half. Second half, like I said, Stephen O'Brien's introduction, I think he had two turnovers and a block down in the first five minutes. It just signaled the intent. Um, and it was everything that Kerry weren't doing in the first half. Yeah. They weren't getting turnovers. They weren't getting contact. Um, and that would have frustrated Jack because like that, it was so passive. Like we said, that one eleven in the first half, like I remember looking up the scoreboard going, how was there one eleven? Like, it just kept, they kept eking on. It was... It was a strange first half to be watching because you were just kind of going, 
what's happening here? Like, yeah. you know, get tighter. You're getting, kind of getting frustrated, a bit animated. And then there'd be moments of magic. Like some, like the football was brilliant. Um, I would have preferred to be in a neutral at it now, to be fair. I was a bit too uh, invested in mm. Kerry. But uh, like some of the scores we were witness to were, were incredible. Yeah. No, uh, they were brilliant. They were, yeah. Some of the, the dairy kicking that first half was extraordinary with or without the wind. So Jack O'Connor, like he was very honest afterwards, Colm. He said easily, easily, easily could have lost that game. Yeah. Mentioned just after the break being crucial and like it's no coincidence. It's Clifford and it's Sean O'Shea in the first two, three minutes of the second half. Sean O'Shea's marked out of the game in the first half, but comes good in the second in a big way. And I think Kerry win the first 14 minutes of the second half, four points to one. Sean O'Shea scores two points as part of it and then Derry start kicking those wides and they end up obviously with a healthy enough uh, tally in comparison with the first half but there was a really I mean, I'm curious for your thoughts around this stage column there's a point there where Kerry are back in it but then this kind of six seven minutes from 57 minutes to 63 minutes where Stephen O'Brien as good as he was he had a really poor kick on 57 minutes it didn't even go wide um, and then uh, McGuigan gets a great point and Derry are two points clear on 59 minutes and then Graham O'Sullivan the cornerback comes up and it is it's just wild it's a cornerback shot and it's Kerry's eighth wide and at that stage Kerry haven't scored in 15 minutes and then Tony Brosnan hits the outside of the post another wide on 63 minutes and they're still two points down with seven minutes six minutes of normal time to go and the camera just cuts to Jack O'Connor and the lads sitting around him and there's not much talk. Like, there's a real degree of, oh, we've lost all composure here. Like, that's where you thought Kerry are, are big, big, big trouble here. Absolute alarm bells. Oh, yeah. You, you would have loved to know what was said when the three boys were talking at that stage because that's exactly what it was, Joe. But the crucial thing was in that period that you were talking about there, Derry didn't put them away. They, they had their chances to put them away and they left Kerry in the game. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I mentioned McGinnis there. He came through at one stage. It's probably midway through the through the second half, and he just breaks through the the, the carry defence. And if he rattles that into the into the top corner, like I think it was only Crow Park was only half full yesterday, but I think the place would explode it. And I think the energy that would have given his team to go and build from there, but he he misses it. They obviously had a goal chance before the, that as well that Neil Turner misses as well. And then they just start snatching on a couple of shots. They just start snatching Joe, and then just each one they get them more and more pressure comes on it because you know okay we're in front here but we need to keep the scoreboard ticking over and I think they just missed two, three, four really scoreable ones I think Ethan Doherty's one just after that period you're talking about Joe I think that was an absolute killer because it's one he should have been getting and I know Darren is talking about the wind there coming into the hill and it is tricky when it's a swirling breeze coming into the hill but it's a one he broke the line he's 20 yards out to the right of the goal all Ireland semi-final yeah. you have to be nailing yeah. He pulls that and like I said, it just left Kerry in the game and no more than Dublin the night before. You feel the longer they're in the game, the more likely they are going to come good. Yeah. And then Kerry, Kerry bang, five in a row. Uh, yeah. The two yeah. frees, the O'Brien free, maybe a bit soft. Clifford, great play. He wins, won most of his frees actually, Clifford as well. Uh, O'Brien got another, Clifford got another, Sean O'Shea then on the break and and that's that. The Derry manager, Kieran Mina, pretty interesting afterwards, Darren. <coughs> he was saying... We came to win the game. We wanted to go home with no regrets. I'm in a state of shock. We had Kerry on the ropes. It looked like we were going to score with every attack. It's devastating. 
And he said that during the week they had planned if Kerry go without a sweeper, this is what we do. So he said the moment two, three minutes in, they saw Kerry hadn't gone with a sweeper. We had prepared for that. And he didn't mean this in, in quite as uh, severe a way as it sounds or arrogant a way as it sounds. But he said, we cut them to shreds. And he just sort of said, you know, we're in shock, really. And to concede those five in a row and suddenly game over must be one of those moments where a dressing room is kind of scratching its head a bit. Uh, he said, turnovers, not taking our chances, kickouts. That's what's going to haunt us. So that was the Derry perspective. But um, yeah, I... I I, I don't know, is your sense like the columns that it's, it's a lack of composure almost on their part when they start snatching at chances? It's probably a lack of composure, probably a lack of experience. Um, how often have been in, they've been like semi-finals can be harder than finals. It, it's all it's all at stake. Um, there's an awful lot at stake. All of a sudden, what was easy in the first 20 minutes is extremely difficult in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the wind, like I seen there in the first half, Clifford had actually come out and he looked like he was going to take a shot. He doubled back. He gave to Tom Sullivan, who looked like he was going to sh- have a shot and he stopped up. Like, I don't think, unless you're on the ground with the ball, you, you just don't know the effect of that wind. Mm. And like that, when you see a fella missing, back your mind, you've missed two. The next person then is a bit more cage, a bit more cautious, probably takes half a second too long and maybe the chance is gone. That all plays in your mind. When you get into the last 10 or 15 minutes, all of a sudden it's a reality. So in the build-up, all the talk, and you have yourself psyched up and you say, we can win this game. All of a sudden it's a reality in the last 10 minutes. You don't want to be that guy making the mistake. And there's a bit of fear, a bit of lack of it. Like, I do think the experience Kerry have had over the last number of years, like, I'd still consider a lot of the Kerry lads young. Yeah. But this team is more or less, very little changed anyway in the last three or four years. Um, they have a lot of experience obviously they got over line last year but they had defeats as well along the way um, and I think that's what got them through as I said their fitness showed in the end they finished the game very strong but they were never more than a score out of it if they'd gone four behind mm. as Colm said the crowd would have erupted a different ball game then it's a different pressure whereas when them when they're going wide there's still that nervousness in the, in the stadium Whereas Kerry are used to that now. I don't think Derry are as used to that. And I think, let's say, 12 months down the line, that will stand to them. But that's no good to them now. I definitely think that, look, they missed an opportunity. Um, they had Kerry on the ropes. They had opportunities to win it. But as I said, them opportunities are a lot easier in the first half, in the first 20 minutes of the game, when there's not as much at stake. No, it's true. And, and they don't have that Stephen O'Brien and others on the bench. You know, that's always been an issue with the lack of depth in a Derry side as well. So Jack yeah. O'Connor afterwards, Colm, like he's he's generally low to pick out anyone, but even he was like, what David Clifford did in the second half was unbelievable. That's the word he used. He yeah. said he was doing everything. He was in his own full back line, not to mention the nine points he kicked and winning the freeze and the marks. And mm. and, and even, I, like, I, I agree with Darren, I had the same point in the news round. You kind of run out of superlatives and you're into the realm of cliché with Clifford very, very quickly. But... I thought it was even very striking the way Kieran Mina talked about him, the Derry manager. He said, uh, we felt we had the best man marker in the game in Chrissy McCaig. He doesn't mean in the game yesterday. He means in the game, in the 32 mm. counties. We had the best man marker in the game in Chrissy McCaig. But for us, it was never about taking Clifford out of the game. It was just about managing his impact. He's an incredible player. He may be the greatest player who's ever played the game. Yeah, and 
it's probably gone to the stage, Joe, if you're keeping Clifford to four points in play, that you've done an absolute massive job on him. And like that's that's almost a ridiculous thing to say. He is just like some of the stuff he does, like Darren, I'm sure down in Kerry, you're always teach to take the ball on the half turn. But there was one ball yesterday, Joe, it was kicked into him and he actually took the ball on the full turn. He had his back to goal, but he actually wins the ball and is facing Chris McCaig at the exact same time, which is almost impossible to do. And if you're Chris McCaig in that scenario, you're just alarm bells going off because you're he's, he's already faced you up. You're one on one with him. And you know, realistically, he's getting the shot away. The, the thing that always ma- amazes me about Clifford, and I said the same about Paul Cahor last year in the league final, a lot of McCaig's defending yesterday was actually really, really good. There's actually not more, nothing else more you can do. He's just, he has this ability, no matter how close you are to, you are to him as a defender, to shoot up and over your block. Yeah. And it's just, it's an unnatural ability that he has. The surprising thing was me yesterday was how often he was one-on-one with McCaig. I think that's the thing that really caught me by surprise, that there wasn't more help there readily available, that he wasn't able to to force him into another dairy body that was that was coming to help him because a lot of the time there wasn't someone to help him. So I think that's, was, that's something that was surprising. As good as McCaig is, and he is brilliant, you know, probably not as good as he was maybe last year. I think he had an injury injury this year. But um, it was a great, great battle. In fairness, McKay, he stuck at it. But mm. one thing, Joe, you mentioned you mentioned Sean O'Shea earlier on. And I think his performance in the second half has almost gone under the radar, you know, because I thought he was absolutely brilliant in that second half at a, at a time when Kerry were really, really struggling. And it's almost like everyone immediately gets drawn to Clifford. And that's only natural because Clifford is just out of this world. But I thought O'Shea was brilliant as well and if, if um, It's not, if, not, if, not, not easy when you've been marked out of the game first 35 to just turn it on. Yeah, but still in that in that first half, Joe, he's he's a massive play in the goal where he comes at an True. angle, he takes the ball off Ganey, and another player who, especially, he probably hadn't touched the ball at this stage. Another player coming in at the angle might have tried and, and and hit it at the keeper. You know what I mean? And the ball is saved and back down the pitch. But he is the presence of mind to just hold it. He knows Gavin White is coming again, pops it out in front, and it's an easy goal. So he has that presence of mind, and I just think I think he's just going under the radar slightly how well he's playing. Yeah, like if if uh, if Clifford is the Ronaldo on this team, like O'Shea is probably the 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 Rooney. He's probably his numbers aren't as big, but his influence is just is just absolutely massive on the team. I'm sure it's not gone unnoticed for Jack O'Connor. I actually saw a stat yesterday, Joe, which really surprised me. He's only won four scored less in the championship from play than David Clifford, which is unbelievable when you think about it. So. Yeah, it'll be his battle with uh, John Small. I'm sure we we'll talk about it again. But that one, I'd say, if you put the player cam on that one in the final, it'd just be worth uh, it'd be worth watching alone. Yeah, and your point there. I know it's difficult sometimes without pictures. Your point there on Clifford taking the ball back to goal mm. and in the same movement, almost facing McKay go. But so it's just he can turn on a sixpence uh, before McKay even has a chance to give him a little barge further away from goal. I- exactly, Joe. So if you if Clifford or any forward wins the ball and you, his back is to go, and you have a chance then to almost turn him away from goal or yeah. bring you, bring him to where you want him to go. And it might give an extra couple of seconds for a McKinless or someone to get in to, to help, you out, help you out in a double up. You know what I mean? But that just that ball I've talked about yesterday where he took the ball on the turn, the full turn, as I call it, it was just absolutely sensational. It's something probably he could, only he could have done. Yeah. I mean, there was one shot where it felt like McCabe could not be any closer. It went wide ultimately, mm. but it did. You just you shouldn't shoot with someone that close to you. He just yeah, you managed yeah. to get the like shot probably, away. Probably ninety five percent of the players in the country are pulling out of that shot. But he had he has this unique ability to shoot up over the defender. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, or eight out of, eight times out of ten, he's holding the accuracy on it as well, which is 
which is just unnatural, really. Have you heard Dan and Kerry, Darren? Does he have hamstrings? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think he has anything. He's different to all of us. Um, you know, you see the photos of him when he's just after kicking the ball. You know, Colm talking there. He's he's been yeah. closely marked and he gets it high. Like it's it's borderline kind of a vertical splits. You know, something should yeah. be pulled somewhere. I don't know what. Every time I see that picture, I stretch. <laughs> it's just it's unreal. But like Colm wait till he saying, hits thirty, Darren. <laughs> oh, it's all downhill after that. <laughs> but as Colm was saying, and it's one of the reasons why I suppose we give out about the mark. I think his first two scores. He got there more or less the same position, but his first instinct is literally as he's collecting the ball to turn and all of a sudden it's eye to eye, man on man. And he has this shimmy that doesn't even get him half a yard. But I think it was his second point that Paulie that you put into me, he caught it on the hop. Like his ability to win the ball low, hit the deck, slide, and with the strength to pop up and be faced. Like Chris McCaig's probably, he's right up behind him. The ball's breaking by his ankles. He's thinking, right, I better get in him now quick. But he hits the deck, slides and pops up. And that pops up facing where he pops up facing him. It's like, oh, God, this again. Mm. But he gets this half a yard. And like I talked about the wind and it might have looked. But he kicked two of them from more or less the same position in the first half. They were just ridiculous. Honestly, like you're just looking. Like I said, I had a few of the dairy lads around me. And you just kind of turn around and you both, you're just smiling at each other. Yeah. To what do you say about it? Yeah, it, it's it's everyone recognising, now oh, this is different level. And, you yeah. know, because of the sheer talent and he's such an original talent as well, like we'd all pick him out silhouetted the way he moves and the way he kicks. I mean, he's, he's, he's just he's very much his own way of doing things. So there's just the sheer audacity of the talent married to the softly spoken. Ah, you know, yeah, grand kind of interviews that all belies the fact that this fella has real steel to him. And he's putting in big hits on people. And I remember a league game with Dublin a couple of years ago. He's in amongst it and jerseys are being torn and he's giving it back mm. to them. Like some sometimes the really talented types maybe don't have that steel. He's got it in abundance. I think that's what O'Connor, Jack O'Connor loved about him. I'd say he loved that shoulder before the break. I'd yeah. say he loved all the dirty work and like dog, you know, he won't be intimidated is the thing with him. No, the one thing Jack loves, he doesn't like any, He loves nothing more than a bio. Someone with a bit of spikiness and a, a bit of wildness to him. Do you know, uh, a fellow who won't be afraid to go toe-to-toe with a yeah. guy. And I think they have, like David, like he has that in abundance. Like like Jack mentioned it after, the pressure that's on him. And a lot has gone on for him this year. Yeah. The club, yeah. family. Like it's just amazing the level of performance, the level of energy. He's, he's so level-headed. Um, like the interview after, it is very much of, look, we have to dig deep. He recognises the game very quickly. It's like the emotion goes out of it straight away. He can see it for what it is. Mm. There's never a me or an I. It's we, it's us. Look, I, like, I, I'm like a fanboy all the time yeah. about him. It's getting <laughs> embarrassing. But it, he is he is something special. Like, there's fellas have talent, but not, not no one has everything together like him. And it's all about temperament and character and like Jack mentioned, the scores are great. But when things weren't going well, he's the fella that goes back. Mm. He's the fella they all go to. And as Colm said, Shawnee's gone on the radar. He was quiet in the first half. But to kick three points in any game, never mind in the second half when things aren't going your way, Like that's a massive... Like It's not even about ability then. It's character. It's temperament. Mm. It's mentality. The two boys are winners. and They play together for a long time. And 
the two of them, when it gets physical, and maybe that's where Kerry might have fallen down in years gone by, when it gets physical, the two guys don't mind it. No. They love it. No. Like, I, I was with Paul O'Connor, Kim Mayer, and he's, he's his club mate, and they started getting a bit physical around the middle, and Paul just started laughing. He goes, well, Shawnee loves this, and we just laughed. Mm. But um, it's, like, for me, it's the two boys. It's their character. It's their temperament. It's, like, to have a quietish first half, and let's say your man's getting the better of you, and yeah. come out and give a promise like that by Shawnee. It's uh, it's a fair, it's fair going. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So to to round uh, off the Kerry Derry chat, and, and Derry just emerged with so much credit. I think everybody, mm. you know, c- in comparison with their exit at the hands of Galway last year, this was real stuff yesterday. Have Kerry gone up in your estimation column as the neutral or down? <laughs> well, look at Joe. Like you asked me two weeks ago if it was a, a Dublin Kerry final who, who would win and I was siding with Dublin but like how can you back against a team with Clifford at the minute with J- and the form he's in you just feel like no matter what the opposition do that he's going to he's just going to bring on his team to another level and had they gone up in my estimation they probably have Joe to be honest with you because they haven't faced a team like that all year mm. realistically a team that were going to bring that aggression attack with so much pace to them and in a pressurised situation because Kerry in the deep down they would have known they should have been winning that game beforehand but they know, knew they were in for a real real battle they weren't playing well but they didn't panic that's the key they just did not panic and 67 68 minutes on the clock their level it would have been very easy to panic and that's a situation but they just dug it out they got the five scores they needed so if Anthem they're definitely gone up a level I would say in my in my, uh, in my books Okay and a final word before the ad break Darren on Derry serious performance yeah. bring it next year more of the same. Yeah, look, I suppose look, they are, I hate using they're out there on a journey, but it is about progression and you don't go from step one to step four, step whatever. You have to go bit by bit and I definitely think they will come away obviously disappointed with what ifs, but if I'm looking at next year, they're up in the top three mm. um, and they'll be looking to go another step further and they, like I said, it's no good so now they're not going to enjoy hearing but they will have taken so much from this game you know and that extra bit of experience next year in a game similar to this will get them over the line um so like that they were they were they probably were never in this all these players none of these players were in this position before a semi-final of the all-ireland up by a couple of points against reigning champions who are red hot favorites that's a different type of pressure and it is one you can only get used to by being in that position. It didn't work open this year, but I can guarantee um, with the attitude that they seem to have as a group, they will regroup next year. They'll be back and they'll hit Division 1 hard, which will bring them on another level as well. Okay, fellas, stay with us. Darren O'Sullivan, Colin Boyle, talking GAA. Back in just one sec. We talked Kerry Derry with Darren O'Sullivan and Colin Boyle. As for Dublin Monaghan, they were level on six occasions, including 60th minute. But I suppose, Colm, it was less squeaky for Dublin in that Monaghan actually never led once during the game. Did you always have the sense Dublin were OK here or was this getting a bit squeaky for Dublin as well? Um, it's a funny one, Joe. I was, I was actually at this game and, you know, halftime I'm thinking Monaghan were probably in a similar position to what Mayo were two weeks earlier and that they probably played most of the football but they still found themselves a point down. And, you know, you're expecting Dublin to come out with this famous third quarter burst and probably put Monaghan away early. But in fairness, that doesn't happen. It doesn't materialise. 
And there was just a stage in the in the game, Joe, and during that second half, about midway through that second half, I think it's just after Conor McManus gets his point from play. It's about, I think he makes it 12 points to 11. So Mano are a point behind. Hill 16, the Dublin crowd were so, so quiet. And it was almost reminded me of two years ago when, when Mayo played um, Dublin in a, in a Saturday evening semi-final. Dark, dreary, wet evening. Yeah. And it was very, very similar to that. And just a, a, a roar. The Monon fans just got a Monon uh, chant going around the stadium. And it was almost like the first time the people of Monon in the, in the crowd believed this is actually on here. I think in the next play then, uh, McManus gets the score. It's 12 on and it's 12 all. And I'm just thinking to myself, Monon would need to win this kick out and get the next score to really put the squeeze on Dublin, to really make them feel uncomfortable. But of course, Dublin being Dublin, win the kick out, come down, Finton puts the ball over the bar. And I suppose if there's Anthem that sums Dublin up, Joe, it's the very next play after this where they have Manon and Rory Began and Stephen O'Hallan bottled up, bottled up in the corner. Like the work rate that goes in to forcing that turnover or forcing that mistake from Stephen O'Hallan where he picks the ball off the ground. Like the Dublin players, you talk about pressing and energy, but they were so, so smart in how they did it. They brought Manon over towards the sideline and when they got the sense that the opportunity is on here, there was just four or five of them and they were sprinting. It was like the first minute of the game, not the not the 62nd or third minute. Okay. And and they get they get the free man, you puts it over the bar and then you just felt like, okay, Monon's chance has probably gone here and in fairness, Dublin finished the, finished the game really, really well. But I thought Monon and Joe were absolutely brilliant. Like we talked last week about not going or going up to Dublin and having no regrets coming out of it. And Derry will have regrets in the fact that they missed chances, but they had a really good go at the game. I think Manon are different. I think Manon will look back and say, we had nothing more to give here. We, we literally had nothing more to give. I think they gave it absolutely everything. I think their ceiling took them as high as, as it could bring them in the game. Yeah. And they gave it a really, really good go. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Darren, my sense from you and Colm last week was like Manon had a kind of 13, 14, 15 point ceiling. And you, you were struggling to see them get much beyond it and I suppose so it proved Ryan McInesby had a great if he'd squared a ball there would have been an easy goal at one stage in fairness mm. McInesby scored a great point later on so not to single him out but you know they they maxed out on a bunch of levels Monaghan really Yeah and like Dan it was a case of um, as Colm said going to Crow Park and leaving with no regrets and it was all about bravery I think they caught they caught us they probably caught Dublin by surprise with their with their attitude that they were going to go and they were going to go for the win and I think Vinnie Corey said after the game that they felt they could win that I suppose all the hype about Dublin had been built on one half against uh, against Mayo and maybe he was right um, like I think you've come away from the two semi-finals and the two lads in the final not knowing exactly where they're at yeah. but it was the experience that they were bringing off the bench and they're not hitting the same heights, but they are showing similar traits to the old Dublin team, like Colin mentioned, that hunting in packs and winning that late free. Um, they're doing things, they're starting to do things like they did before. I've heard the, is this the last dance about this Dublin team? It looks like it is for the last couple of weeks that this is, they want to go out, a good few of them go out in this, but they were made work really hard for them. And even the, the, the point that put them point up going in a half time I can't remember, I remember looking at it going jeez there's nothing in that a bit mm-hmm. like the, Kerry got a couple of soft ones later on as well yeah. and it, it is a big turning point in the game if you're going in level after 
dominating the ball. I think they had over 60% possession going in. All of a sudden, they're going down a, they're going in a point down. Yes, they'd be delighted where they're at, but despite playing most of the football, they're a point down. So there's small little small little bits um, that went against Monaghan, but like what a performance. I'll be honest, I don't think anybody tipped them to be that competitive and it was only like that they had given everything. Mm. Last couple of minutes, you can see like the goal was just, I don't really count it to be fair, but yeah. the, the game was done at that stage, but it was just the bodies were gone at that stage, but what a performance. Did either of you, by the way, so it's funny, I'm not a great one at the best of times for monitoring a referee, but in, in both games, Monaghan and Derry folk in the main, obviously, but feel that the referees weren't great. Do either of you feel like we saw a bad referee performance on Saturday or Sunday? Um, from Saturday evening, Joe, like Darren references it there. I thought Dublin got two to three extremely soft freeze, uh, score of a freeze in that first half. I thought there was little, little to no contact in it. And I'd say the same about Sunday. I know there's a bit of controversy and talk all day on Twitter about Shane McGuigan and being targeted. I think that's complete nonsense, to be honest with you. But just in general, refereeing performances, uh, like the foul on Stephen O'Brien or the foul the free they gave on Joe McQuillan gives for Stephen O'Brien. Yeah. I know we're going back to the Kerry game, yeah. but like you you wouldn't expect that in a club league game. Never mind five minutes to go on a Lawrence semi-final. Like I just feel like refs are gone too technical and any form of contact now is a free. You know what I mean? I think you're even seeing that in the crowd when they see contact, they think it should be free. That's mm. contact is not necessarily a free. And I think I think Goff is the only one that that has got the balance right between the technical fouls, but allowing the physical contact as well. I don't think we're seeing enough of referees do that. I think an awful lot of the games we're seeing are almost non-contact. To be honest, I think a lot more should be let go. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't say to be honest with you, especially on Sunday, I, di- I didn't think some of the some of the refereeing was great. To be honest, okay, so just a bit too soft. Yeah, well, because somebody texted in earlier in the show and they were kind of saying like we need to define the tackle in the mm. sport. I mean. I don't, where do you start there? What is your understanding of yeah. the tackle in the sport? I I'm uh, I know it when I see it type. Yeah, like, like uh, a tackle on me is very different to a tackle on Aidan O'Shea. Yeah. Well, that way, like we've all said that Aidan O'Shea would need to be bulldozed to get a free by a lot of referees. But like that on Sunday, like I think tomorrow, such a mention, like I think everyone, even your most diehard Kerry fan, when Stephen O'Brien got that free, we all looked at each other. Nobody knew what it was for. Yeah, it's more of a stumble. Freeze. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say he couldn't believe it himself. I'd say he's delighted. Didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but I think Tomas mentioned one then with uh, Chris McKay pulled back David. He was uh, he was lucky to get that. And I was there. Well, I didn't think he was because I think Tomas's um, kind of backup for it was ah, there was other moments like this in games where it wasn't given. And I was like, you're gone. The fella pulls you back. It's a free. But I just think that it, different games, the atmosphere, the intensity of games, you actually don't know. It's the same at every level. Like, we don't know what a free is. If, if a player is physically stronger than you, he doesn't even have to hit you hard or pull you. Like, it's a free. Yeah. Um, I just think there's no consistency. I don't know where we're going to get to consistency either, to be honest. Um, I think there'll always be issues with it. Um, and that's going from club all the way up to county. Um, I think sometimes referees just aren't close enough to see it. I don't think they get enough help either by um, umpires and linesmen. As Cullum said, there was talks of targeting of Clifford or McGuigan. That I didn't think so. There was nothing new. Mm-hmm. I know that people mentioned the Shane Ryan one, which 
I, I don't know. Like, I, it goes me, I'm actually jumping for that ball too because you can protect yourself. Um, but I wouldn't have said he jumped into Shane McGuigan because it was Shane McGuigan. But look, I don't know. I think the refereeing in general, I can say, no, I don't play it. But uh, it's, it has been quite poor. And I think right. going out for every game, you actually don't know what standard referee you're going to get. Are you going to be allowed to get away with stuff or is it the slightest touch going to be pulled up? So yeah. I, I can imagine how frustrating it is for players and management, especially so, this stage of the year. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I, I guess we are talking about fine margins here in, in both instances. So you reckon Goff is the best column. He's less uh, rigid. I, I, there's, there's less adherence to letter of the law. There's more a feel for the game. Yeah, and I think the obviously he's big on the off the ball stuff. As if, is in if you're a defender and you're you've a hold your man twenty yards away from the ball or thirty yards away, he's big on that, and that's fine. You don't mind that because you know he's going to do it. Any game you're playing with David Goff, you're talking about that beforehand and say don't get caught or literally don't do it because it's going to be a free in. But the thing I like about Goff mostly is that he's consistent with the way he rests. He normally allows that bit of physicality all the way through in the tackle. The one thing, and it's a real bugbear of mine, Joe, is a referee that will allow contact for maybe 20 minutes for the first 20 minutes of the game, and then the last 20 minutes he rests completely different. And any form of contact or any form of pull or anything like that is an automatic free. That's a real bugbear of mine, but that's, I suppose that's been going on for years. And yeah. It's really hard to get it right, and I know it's an extremely, obviously it's an extremely tough um it's in a tough job they have, but I, th- I th- definitely think the standard could be, the overall standard in the country, I'm not just talking about the boys at the weekend, I think the overall standard could be way, way better. And what's, uh, so you would have spent more time, I suspect, driving your car, thinking about what can I do in a tackle than me or Darren. Mm. So, like, man in possession, you're, you're alongside I him. I didn't think about it. No, you didn't. Can you, can you, <laughs> can you, like Colin, would you feel you could sort of barge into him a bit and then if he goes down you're in trouble or would you get away with it would you feel like can you slap with the with abandon can you just whack away there and, and, and get away with murder in terms of slapping can you can you pull on his elbow or his arm if he's running with possession like all these li- and then you can probably do it a little bit but if it's sustained yeah. then the ref will blow like you're trying to you're trying to it's, it's a strange thing when there isn't I, I, again a, a very clear definition out there yeah, well, I, I think the, th- the key is whatever you're doing, don't make it too obvious, which is a, as what you were saying there, Joe. But look, at uh, to make it very simple, like if I was ch- tackling Darren there, the first thing I'm trying to do is nearly slow him up. So try and get any form of contact across his chest or something like that where it just might slow him down. And it might give you an opportunity then to maybe tackle the ball or dispossess him or force him back or force him into a hand pass where you're putting pressure on him. You might necessarily get the turnover but someone else might get it two or three seconds later because you forced them into a bad pass. I think the near-hand tackle is a big one for me, Joe. I think Mick Simon is actually a really good example for this the weekend where McManus beats him in the first half to a ball. And Fitzsimons, just by coming after him, he's, he's about five yards behind him, but he gets his near-hand just alongside McManus and he lets McManus know that he's there. And it just slows McManus down and it, it actually forces him into a bad solo. So by the time he takes his shot, Fitzsimons is there to actually get something on it and block it and put it out for a 45. While there's no defined tackle as such, I think there's so many small things you can do, like the near-hand tackle, like just making contact with any form of the body and slowing yeah. them down. Obviously not in the back, but in the chest area. And obviously you're trying to time, you're trying to time your tackle to win the player is making the actual um, solo or hop itself, which is difficult to do because if you get that, it has to be right on the money. If you get that wrong, Normally, the player feed the contact and go down and probably get the free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Darren, who was the best at tackling you in the most vicious way but getting away with it? Um, vicious is the wrong word, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you picked up effective. To be honest, for me, it was all about, like, like Colm said, if you get that near hand, and it doesn't even have to be aggressive, but if it's tapping at you even, it's putting you off. And you know it can you can misplace a solo or a hop. So a lot of times it's just being there and being tight. In fairness yeah. to Cullen, himself and Keith Higgins were probably the best at it in terms of you're paying the hole, you're just niggly, you're always there and there'll be a hand. And a lot of it is contact. You don't need a big hit. A lot of it is if you run alongside a fella for long enough and you're within touching distance, that hand, all he doesn't have it's just putting the hand, getting contact, you will force a mistake because you're afraid of the turnover. You don't want to be turned over. So if you don't make a mistake, what you're going to do is you're actually going to double back because you don't want to lose the ball. Yes, so a lot yeah. of it is, it's just about making contact and it's more about being a pest, I find. Mm. Being in someone's head, a lot of times you make a footballer make a decision. Oftentimes, they get caught between uh, two stools. Okay. There you go, Colin. You're paying the backside. <laughs> I, I think it's to be clear, Joe. None of what Darren was saying there works on David Clifford. <laughs> well, yeah. No. He's an octopus. So, uh, on Kerry kind of gone up in your estimation column you were saying what about you Darren on Dublin like they've had this glittering kind of 10 minutes against Mayo and then they've had down periods as well so where are Dublin coming into this final for you I I'll be honest I can't I don't know where Dublin are at and I don't really know where Kerry are at going into it um, I think there's Carmel Costello for one is a fella red hot bomb I think it's 12 shots in the last two games and it's 12 points and there's not a whole pile being said about it but for Dublin to win where I think Dublin have the upper hand is if I think I think if it's going down the stretch the last 10 minutes I think they have more of an impact coming off the bench mm. I think their squad is stronger than ours at the moment um, but Carmel Costa got 7 points to the, the weekend yeah. He he could very easily be held score, scoreless the next day. I don't think David Clifford will be held scoreless, but if Conor Costello was held scoreless, there's a good chance Conor Callan kicks into gear and gets five or six points. They have more options like that, I think, at the moment. Um, they have a good spread. I think if you're picking both teams in the morning, I think you more or less know what Kerry are going to do, one to 15. Mm -hmm. I think it more or less picks itself at the moment, whereas with Dublin, there's a lot of places up for grabs there. Um, I think they have a few more options than us. Um, but I think they're there to be got at. I think Monaghan spotted holes. They they poked through the holes. They could have, they probably should have had a goal, maybe two in the first half, definitely one. Mm. Um, and they created a lot of opportunities. Um, so I definitely think Kerry will look at that and think, look, we have an opportunity. I think the interesting thing is, Look, Fitzsimons has been one of the best defenders in the game for a long time. I don't think he can mark Clifford on his own. I think when you have a fella dropping back, trying to get to Clifford, I don't think that's enough anymore. I literally think you have to sacrifice an extra man to be plunked beside him. But that kind of plays into Kerry's hands then with Ty Morley being the sweeper and being allowed to drop. But I, I, I genuinely feel, um, I think this, as much as we have saying it's, going to be the final level wanted this could be 11 11 all with 60 minutes gone I think it could be tight and cagey <laughs> well we'll pick up on that point in a couple of weeks when we preview it we're out of time Colin Boyle Darren Sullivan thank you so much
Thanks, guys. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Gaelic Football on Off The Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Senior Football Championship. You can check out hashtag the toughest for more.